The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Marion McKeown is away, so Larry Donnelly, a lecturer-in-law at NUIG, is stepping in to join Cal Thomas today. And Larry, if I could start with you, can you tell us about this extraordinary story from Virginia, where last Friday a teacher was shot by one of her pupils, a six-year-old child. It's really horrendous, Matt. We're back to the gun issue and the gun culture in the United States yet again. Uh, This was a six-year-old child who brought a gun uh, that his mother owned legally into school. And there are some disputes about exactly how things unfolded, but this was not an accident. This was an intentional shooting where this six-year-old shot his teacher uh, through the hand and ultimately through the chest. Uh, and again, it was intentional. The teacher is a real hero. The teacher managed to look after everyone else in the class, make sure that they were all safe and got out before she even thought of her own safety. But again, Matt, it brings to the fore these gun issues. And what are we going to hear in response? We're going to hear, oh, the, the gun should have been stored better. Uh, the woman may have had, the mother may have had mental health issues. What's the climate like in the house? The fact is, when you allow just about anybody to buy a gun, uh, these things, I'm afraid, uh, are inevitable. He's six years old. And Matt, here's the thing. He's, this may be the first time a six-year-old has shot a teacher at school, but it's not the first time that a six-year-old child has brought a gun and shot someone else at school. It's happened three times before, and it just makes you wonder when are people, when are lawmakers in the United States, when will they ever wake up to the fact that we have a revolting gun culture? And we are, yes, American exceptionalism is something that's often uh, trotted out. We're exceptional. We're exceptional in a disgusting way. Revolting, disgusting. What do you say to that, Carl Thomas? Well, of course it is, Matt, but you can't uh, take one tragic incident and apply it nationally to every situation. Uh, There are more people killed by fentanyl than guns. There are more people killed on the highways from uh, cars than than guns. Uh, We have a Second Amendment of the Constitution, and yes, I think... uh, uh, I think Larry is right that there will be uh, some kind of a response, and there should be. The police need to look into this to see if the uh, weapon obviously was not properly stored and locked up. Uh, this is the responsibility largely of the parent. Uh, but you, you can't just take an isolated incident like this and say, well, we need to ban all guns in America or most guns. It's just not going to happen. It may sound certain, it may sound pretty good to certain people uh, in the gun control community, but it's not going to happen. Uh, it is a tragedy. It looks like the teacher is going to recover. That's a very, very good thing. And uh, the police haven't finished their investigation on this, so more information is going to come out. Yeah, but you say this is a unique incident, but Larry has just told us of other incidents where six-year-olds have brought guns to school. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't happen here in Ireland. It wouldn't happen in most countries I can think of. It only happens in America. Well, we have 300 million people, more than 300 million now, with all of the illegals pouring in uh, in the United States. And uh, this is uh, uh, th- this is a, a very unusual and terrible situation. But uh, we're going to talk later about uh, this uh, football player who was injured uh, and uh, went into cardiac arrest. So do we ban all uh, uh, fo- professional football because this one uh, individual nearly died? No, we don't, of course. You can't take just one 
tragic incident and or three tragic incidents, as Larry brought up, and extrapolate from that and say, okay, we need to ban all of these guns. It's not It's not the guns. People are getting stabbed as well. People are getting, uh, again, fentanyl. More people are, more young people are killed in America now with fentanyl drugs coming over the southern border, likely from China initially, than are being killed by guns. Chris Larry Donnelly, remember when there was a school shooting last year, one of the suggestions put forward actively was that the teachers should have guns to defend themselves and defend their pupils. The logical extension of that is that we could actually have teachers claiming that they could legitimately shoot six-year-olds. Yeah, I mean, that's the abhorrent uh, you know, situation we could get ourselves in so long as uh, American politicians refuse to, to stop towing the line uh, of the, what the gun lobby demands and what the gun lobby desires. Uh, and Cal says that this is uh, unusual and terrible. It, it is particularly terrible uh, because it involves a six-year-old boy and a teacher. It is, it is unusual in the sense that it involves a, a six-year-old boy. But gun violence and school shootings in the United States sadly are not unusual. They are actually typical. That's why schools, schools around the country repeatedly do gun safety drills and active shooter drills, and this has been normalized. Uh, if, if, this, you know, the, if the gun situation and the continued rate of mass shootings in the United States doesn't call out for legislative action, then I don't know what does. But at that having, sa- having said that, Matt, uh, given everything we've seen, given Sandy Hook, given the litany of tragedies that followed it, uh, I just don't see any action ever happening. Another listener says, guns are not the same as sport or cars. Gun users have an impact on other people. Sport participation is a personal choice. Okay, let's go to Joe Biden's uh, former files, which he took, which it seems uh, were classified documents. So is he in as much trouble as Donald Trump, do you think, Cal? No, I don't think so from initial reports, Matt, but conservatives, of course, in America are having a great time pointing out the hypocrisy in the media uh, pile on uh, with Trump and uh, a little more reluctant, although the New York Times does have pretty good story this morning uh, on the issue. Uh, I I think this does not uh, rise yet. We don't know all of the information yet to the level of Donald Trump. Uh, He had boxes and boxes, Trump did, uh, in uh, in unsecured areas in his Mar-a-Lago home. Apparently, these documents from initial reports uh, were found uh, in a in a place uh, accidentally uh, by, uh, uh, according to uh, Biden lawyers, uh, and and that uh, they're cooperating with the National Archives, which is the repository for these sorts of things. So I don't think it's uh, it, it rises yet to the level of what uh, Trump uh, did, but uh, it will bear further investigation. And as I say, conservatives are having a good time uh, pointing out the hypocrisy of it all. Is there hypocrisy, or Larry? Is there really an equivalence here between what may have been a mistake by Biden, which was admitted when discovered and sent back, and Trump's deliberate concealment of documents, even after receiving a court order to hand them back? I don't think there is at all, at least at least not yet. I mean, what we know, what we know so far, and Cal is absolutely right, more detail is going to come out about this uh, as the investigation continues. Uh, but what, what do we know so far? We're talking about a, re- a relatively paltry number of documents that as soon as they were unearthed, uh, Biden's lawyers went straight to the archives and said, look, uh, we've got these things. Here you go. He surrendered them immediately, which I think uh, is you know, directly opposite to what Donald Trump did. All of that having been said, Matt, this is definitely a gift uh, to Trump uh, and to the Republicans in the sense that for an awful lot of Americans, 
they won't read beyond the first line of this story, which is uh, that Joe Biden also had confidential documents. Uh, that'll be that. And a lot of them will say, see, they're all the same. This is no, nothing to see here. No big deal. And at the end of the day, Merrick Garland, the attorney general, who's considering whether to bring charges uh, against Donald Trump, uh, his decision is going to be a political one uh, above all. And again, politically speaking, uh, this is a gift to Trump. So who knows what impact it might ultimately have uh, on Garland's decision. Now, Cal, I'm starting to wonder about your neighbours in Florida. You already have Donald Trump there. Now you have Bolsonaro hiding out from <laughs> Brazil there. What sort of place is Florida that it attracts these people who incite riots against their national institutions? Well, Matt, I thought you were going to say you got me hiding out there, too, but uh, you didn't go that far. Uh, I don't know what the problem is here. This guy, Bolsonaro, the, you know, the media is comparing this over and over to the January 6th riots at the Capitol two years ago. They're having a good time with that. But uh, clearly, uh, if if Brazil is, issues an Interpol order and demands that he be returned, I, I think that uh, the United States is under uh, an obligation to uh, respond to that. He reportedly now is in a hospital. He's uh, had some kind of medical issue uh, uh, in a hospital near Orlando, uh, which, of course, is the uh, headquarters of the Disney operation. Uh, So uh, we'll see how that turns out. It's uh, it's kind of bizarre, though, I must say. I think he's out of hospital now. Larry, what will the Americans do to him? And should they do to him, do you think? Well, I I think ultimately, look, the the terms of the visa he went, and I don't think it's the date of his departure. He left Brazil uh, on the 30th of December. Uh, The new president was sworn in on the 1st. These incidents happened on the 8th. Under the terms of the visa, he went uh, an A-1 visa. Once his official business ceases in the U.S., and it has, uh, he has 30 days to get out. Uh, my, my, my suspicion is that uh, they'll let him stay you know, a little while longer, unless, as Cal says, the Interpol, Interpol thing goes out. Uh, they'll let him stay for a little while longer, but they'll, they'll make, it, make it clear to him uh, that at the end of the 30 days, he'll have to go back. Uh, and face the music uh, in Brazil, whatever that might lead to. Okay, on last Tuesday's program, we spoke about Kevin McCarthy's, at that stage, unsuccessful attempts to become the Speaker of the House. He finally got there on, what's his 13th attempt or something like that at the weekends. But Cal, how embarrassing was the behaviour of many of the Republicans in your chamber? Was this not the type of thing that you would see in some sort of tin pot dictatorship? No, not really, Matt. I think it was democracy, raw democracy in action. Uh, Fifteen rounds it took. It was certainly riveting and, uh, for people who are political junkies like us. But uh, uh, I, I, the point is that there are going to be some reforms in the House of Representatives. There are going to be some investigations into the Hunter Biden situation, uh, his business dealings that uh, possibly involved his father. And uh, there will be some other things that needed to be done that weren't done when the uh, Democrats could controlled both chambers. Uh, but I don't think there's going to be any major legislation get through. The Democrats have already said in the Senate they're not going to pass spending reductions. They're not going to really fix the border. Uh, they're not going to do some of these other things. So I think what Republicans are going to be doing is kind of a warm-up operation for next year's election when there are more Senate seats on the Democratic side uh, than the Republican side up for uh, up for grabs. And I think the Republicans are going to be uh, just uh, staging themselves for that election uh, instead instead of getting a lot of legislation through. What you make of that analysis, Larry? Uh, I think Cal has, has makes, makes a few good points. I think he's absolutely right about what the Republicans are going to do uh, for the next two years. But I'm just not sh- so sure how good of a look this all is. I think the president was right when he said, uh, this isn't a good look 
uh, to have this happening in the United States Congress. The reality is that uh, Kevin McCarthy is a very conservative guy. Uh, the fact that he wasn't conservative enough uh, for this small band of rebels uh, indicates just how far to the right uh, the Republican Party has moved. Uh, and I think that the reality is McCarthy is going to be captive to their whims uh, over the next two years. And one of those whims may be to shut the government down. And, and here's where there's a real dissonance between some on the hard right and some of the people, the white working class people who Republicans need to win the presidency. And here it is. A lot of those white working class people are dependent upon the government being open uh, for, for welfare checks and everything else that they need in their lives. If the Republicans led by Matt Gates and others decide to shut the government down, this could backfire spectacularly uh, on the Republicans, indeed, on the presidential level uh, and also at congressional levels, provided that is the Democrats stay reasonably united. Larry Donnelly and Cal Thomas, thank you very much for being with us. Claire says, the leading cause of death of children in the US is gunshot. That's not something that can be ignored. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.